welcome again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, this one is going to be a movie review. Uh, we have decided to wait a week, week and a half with Avengers being out before throwing this review down because I think it's actually impossible to talk about the movie without spoiling things. There's, there's so much stuff goes on in this movie and um, we wanted to give everybody the best possible opportunity to see it. Um, be forewarned, I can't say it enough at this point, there will be spoilers aplenty. Um, I'm joined on this occasion again by James. Hey guys, what's happening? Um, who has seen it twice. I have seen it twice myself. We both went to the midnight showing. Um, I would say it was two very different viewings. Um, I think the first time you see any movie, it's all about the excitement of seeing where the story goes, um, seeing what the surprises are. The second time you watch a movie, I think it's about details and um, you know, really taking those in, seeing that the movie works, that it abides by its own rules, which this movie does set up a lot of its own. Um, should sort of preface this by saying it's it's an amazing achievement to get to this point. Um, you know, here we are, eleven years later, two thousand nineteen. This all kicked off in two thousand eight uh, with my favorite Iron Man. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, in the first year, you had Iron Man, you had Incredible Hulk. Um, and then it just went from there. Uh, phase one introduced a lot of characters. You had Thor, you had Captain America thrown in there. You had the Avengers, which then introduced Black Widow and Hawkeye. Um, and it's really, really grown from there into you know a diverse universe with you know Guardians of the Galaxy, with Ant Man, you know Black Panther, Captain Marvel. Um, so it's really, really grown. And I wonder if this was all set out in the beginning. Um, I know there was always forward planning with phases, phase one, phase two, this is phase three, but I don't think you get a movie this coherent and narratively satisfying without planning it for a long time. DC, you could take a page out of Why do you have to throw straight shade at DC? <laughs> We're not here to discuss DC. We're here to discuss Marvel. This doesn't have to be a competition. It really doesn't. Because doesn't, but I love their solar stuff, but just, you know... Like but the, they tried to go easy stuff. I will throw this together at the start, but DC don't need to copy Marvel. They don't need to do this. Marvel have excelled in this, but that doesn't mean DC and Warner Brothers have to copy it. They no, work, like I'm, I've loved what they've done solo. Yeah. Like Aquaman and Wonder Woman and everyone else assist. They work better as solo yeah. Shazam as well. Joker but I'm really looking forward to. I just think it's it's maybe a slight disservice to Marvel to start your uh, review off with. <laughs> but we did it better. <laughs> Yeah, no, Marvel had, yeah, it was always going to be that they were forward thinking it, you know, so many years in advance, and uh, apparently they did just have, like, one big massive, like, blueprint in their house of where it all goes, yeah. and it all, like, intermixed, so... Well, they've had one guy running the, the ship for a long time, Kevin Feige. Yep. There's been one or two little trials and tribulations along the way, and Edgar Wright was about the direct Ant-Man, then he got let go. Um, there's been little bits and pieces here and there, but by and large, it's been pretty smooth sailing. I wouldn't say, you know, just to back up your point, I wouldn't say that necessarily DC Warner Brothers have to take a leaf out of this book. I think every movie company in the world could take a leaf out of oh, yeah. this. You know, there's there seems to be a a bit of a sort of, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, fascination, I suppose, with trying to set up shared universes. You know, if like it's... Yeah, if it's not setting up a Dark Monsters universe, it's setting up a Hasbro universe, or it's setting up a... You know, Fast and the Furious universe. You know, there seems to be a instead of just movie by movie, people are thinking more and more about franchises. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would I would imagine fifteen years ago, if you'd have said in fifteen years' time, Robert Redford, Glenn Close, you know, Sigourney Weaver, you know, all the all this whole Hollywood royalty, 
you know, Jeff Bridges, you know, none of these guys would even consider it a superhero movie. No. And now they're all a massive part of it. Yeah. And I think that's testament to the work they've done. But digress slightly, we'll, we'll jump in the end game itself. As I say, spoilers are plenty. Please do not listen to this if you haven't seen it. I personally have never worked so hard in my life to avoid spoilers. Um, <laughs> the week leading up to it, I didn't look at social media. Um, I know there's a lot of clickbait articles. I know that there were people out there trying to spoil it for other people, which I'll... Yeah, but there's, a, there's a fun little thing to go with that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll certainly go into a bit of detail on something on that later. Um, there there just seemed to be a real campaign. I mean, the, the filmmakers, they did their bit with the whole hashtag Thanos demands your silence, you know, don't spoil the end game, that kind of thing. But I personally had only watched one trailer going into this. Um, I managed to avoid everything else. So I went in fresh. So again, I want everybody to go in as fresh as possible. So final warning, this will be spoiler filled. Yeah. I watched two trailers and then after that, I didn't watch anything else. Um, I know that, well, I know, sorry, that's a lie. I watched like the wee like, minute clip they released and then because I literally couldn't avoid that, like in work, everyone was like, oh, you've seen this and shoved it right in my face. I was like, I don't really want to, guys, so thanks for that. And then TV spots, commercials, everything in the weeks leading up to it, and they didn't need it. No. They never needed it. You only needed the one trailer, which was the original one that was released like six months ago, and that was it. Like, yep. That's all you ever needed, but they just, I don't know why they felt so heavy-handed in this to be like, look at all this stuff which is coming. It's like, well, we know what's coming, just stop. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this movie, to me, it didn't even really need sold because, no. you know, anybody who'd seen Infinity War was going to see this. You know, it, Infinity, it, Infinity War and Endgame are essentially one big movie. I mean, I know we say, obviously, this is a continuing narrative throughout all the movies, but this definitely personifies. This was a two-parter. Um, the midpoint of the movie was the snap at the end of Infinity War where the majority of the characters disappeared with no explanation and just out of nowhere. Um I mean, the, the end of this goes straight into the start of Endgame. So, Endgame kicks off with this really beautiful, haunting scene involving Hawkeye. Now, there was a lot of uh, questions about Infinity War. Where was Hawkeye? Where was Ant-Man? And those two characters play pivotal roles in this movie. Yep. So, the movie kicks off. Hawkeye's on his farm. He's retired. This was his family that was introduced in Age of Ultron. And, you know, he's just... <clears throat> he's teaching his daughter how to fire a bow and arrow. Uh, I kind of got little shades of Kate Bishop in this scene because in the comics Kate Bishop is a female character who takes over the mantle of Hawkeye oh, okay. um, coming through the Young Avengers um, so yeah um, I don't think that was necessarily where they were going with it but I just got sort of little hints at that I thought it was a little Easter egg so he sort of says good shot the family's calling off in the distance You know, what do you want on your burgers guys they're having a barbecue and then when his back is turned his daughter disappears, he starts shouting after her, then when he's shouting after her and his back is turned again, the rest of his family disappear. It's a really beautiful haunting scene, you know, there's no big dramatic music, there's no, um, it's not like they're overplaying it for melodrama, it's it's quite eerily silent actually. Yeah. Um, so it goes from there and we're introduced to all of the Avengers who have survived and also into our favourite character. Tony Stark, well, my favourite character, um, who is floating about in space, he is there with Nebula, they do a little voiceover, it's a voice recording to Pepper, and it's uh, saying it's been 23 days. They did a great job at this point of 
showing off the effects of not eating for 23 days Robert yeah. Downey Jr. was really skinny he was really gaunt looking yeah. um, then th- this was the only thing in the movie that I guessed to a T that I knew this was going to happen I knew it was Captain Marvel I was yeah, gonna of course, yeah like anyone could have I think probably put yeah. that together by watching Captain Marvel and then by, you know watching yeah. this you're like yeah you knew she was gonna because you kind of sat there and thought okay they're drifting space oh who else happens to be in the neighbourhoods Captain Marvel yeah. so you knew that yeah I kind of figured that so. and Captain Marvel again showing all this urgency with standing there smiling looking smug as Tony dies essentially <laughs> you know instead yeah. of like these people need help and I should rush into this I should probably preface this by saying I don't really like Captain Marvel um, um, I enjoyed it more the second time I watched it but not overly like it was I have hard. no desire to watch it a second time um, but I will admit the second time I saw <clears throat> Endgame pardon me Brie Larson didn't annoy me quite as much <laughs> I'm nothing against Brie Larson as an actress I think she's very good in other stuff she's been in I, I've said this to a few guys in the store I'm just not a fan of her as Captain Marvel I don't think she has any joy to the role I don't no. think like all these characters are having fun being a superhero and she just looks miserable so um, and, and that's all it comes down to I like Captain Marvel as a character um, there is one great moment in this with Captain Marvel which as I say I enjoyed more the second time uh, later on in the movie but yeah so Captain Marvel brings Tony back to Earth it's only been um, obviously a couple of weeks as Tony has said since the snap everybody's still recovering and um, Captain Marvel brings down this ship with Tony on it and Tony's brought off and this is the first time Tony and Cap have seen each other since Cap beat the crap out of him at the end of uh, Civil War almost Um, no he does give him a phone after that and say look you ever need me but uh, this was a really nice moment I thought you know these two characters being together again you know you maybe went four five six movies and all of Infinity War and their paths never crossed and then Pepper just jumps in the way and moves Cap out of the way <laughs> I understand that's her, her other half but you know there's a bit of bromance going on there um, so yeah I'll from there I mean just I'll just submit uh, summarize the plot quickly um, because I could do a perfect recreation of this movie yeah. uh, which is the danger but um Tony has a little bit of a go at Cap saying, you know, the Avengers are fractured, you know, they never were able to help each other out, blah, 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 blah. But they do go and this was the first major surprise of the movie for me. They actually find Thanos within 20 minutes and Thor chops his head off. Yes. <laughs> now, I have to admit at this point when I saw that, because I had avoided all the trailers and the one trailer I had seen apparently was for each other the first 10 minutes, I started to wonder who the... the big bad was going to be yeah like is, in, is this someone else that we are they going to introduce yeah into i thought or... you know are we going galactus here yeah. or are we going massive and cosmic you know i didn't think to myself well thanos will just be back through you know time traveling means so to speak yeah, yeah it kind of took me off guard this is like oh okay and he's dead no nope, he's literally headless it's, he's dead yeah i mean he's, he's he's dead at this point but he's used the infinity stones again to snap them out of existence um which nearly killed him um, because the guys were thinking we could get the Infinity Stones back, do the snap and bring everybody back but with Thanos destroying them all hope is seemingly lost <clears throat> so cut to five years later um, which was a hell of a time jump uh, i got to say um, and all the Avengers are still dealing with this post-Thanos world in their own different ways Black Widow's a shut-in she just sits at a computer all day refuses to go out to the world Hawkeye's MIA and there's all this um, all these reports around the world of this 
you know, vigilante going around just killing people. Um, you've got Cap, who's got a little support group and talking about moving on. Um, Iron Man's the one who's landed on his feet the most. Um, he's got Pepper, he's got a daughter, and uh, Thor has devolved in a move that was very, very brave for the movie, I thought. Yeah. And they went with it and they stuck to it. I've spoke to a few people who have hated it. Oh, okay. Um, because Thor's one of their favourite characters, but I personally really liked what they did with the character. Yeah, nice. um, and then you've got Hulk, who just seems to have, you know... Amalgamised, like... Yeah, he's essentially... He's the equivalent of a character in the comics called Professor Hulk, yeah. where he's got you know the strength of the Hulk, but he's got the smarts of Banner. Um, he was one of the delights of the movie, I think. I think Hulk was born in the whole way through it. Um, so, yeah, five years later, and then it cuts to the storage facility where the van that we saw at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp has been impounded. Now, I do know someone out there who really hated the fact that it was a rat by accident that brought Ant-Man back. Um, I'll not name names, but I didn't mind that because the thing was, Ant-Man coming out, it wasn't coincidental timing of the Avengers are doing something and he just happened to get out. Everyone had no plan moving forward. Everyone had accepted this is the way the world is. It just happened to be five years later that this you know little rat goes across this control console and um, Scott gets out of the quantum realm. And he later has a chat with the Avengers when he comes to find them and they're like you know five years in there that must have been tough and he said yeah well for me it was more like five hours so they start to think about you know how they could bend and manipulate time and how they could possibly use the quantum realm as a quasi time machine um, I should say before that that there was the most emotional moment of the movie for me um, which was Ant-Man reconnecting with his daughter uh, so he was so when Ant-Man comes out of the, the quantum realm he has no idea what's happened he doesn't know what the snap was he doesn't know what Thanos was he just comes out to this world that is suddenly quiet and you know everyone's he, he goes past this little kid who's on a bike who's miserable and crying and you know all these you know missing signs are up and he's no idea what's happened to the world so he comes across this huge monument in the park which is essentially a mass grave yeah um, you know it's is it called The Vanished? Yeah, so it's it's very sort of war imagery, I would say. Yeah, oh yeah. And he's checking all the names that are there, and he's like, no, 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 please don't be Cassie, please don't be Cassie, which is his daughter. He does find his own name on there, um, but then he goes to the house that Cassie lived in with her, her mom and partner, who were conspicuously absent in this movie, I would yeah. say. And he sees this girl who's five years older, and the reason I love this moment so much is because this is a girl who, from she was very small, has known her dad as a superhero. You know, she's embraced it. She loves the fact her dad's a superhero. Yeah. And they could have easily played this for laughs. You know, Scott ringing the doorbell, seeing this older girl going like, am I at the wrong house? You know, is this someone else? But the second they see each other, they know who each other are. They could have played it for laughs. They didn't. It was a pure emotion moment where she's just like, dad, and he says Cassie. And, you know, I, I thought that was the best reconnection of the movie, uh, I have to say. Um, there is something... I'd it's just me I don't know if it's nitpicking or not but to me it didn't so how old is Cassie in Ant-Man the Wasp she's still like a child probably about 9 or 10 so she'd be about 15 now I don't know the actress just seemed to me like she was a bit more older than that like not at all if you think Ant-Man 1 Cassie's probably about 6 maybe 7 Yeah. then Ant-Man the Wasp is a few years later so because Hank Pym has been on the run for a couple of years they established Ant-Man the Wasp yeah 
so she's probably 10, 11, so she's gone through puberty. She's now mid-teens to late-teens. So it would be about late-teens, yeah. Because as I said, just the actress, I was looking at her being like... Uh, no, I think they, knew, they they couldn't have hired the same actress because oh, no, it's only not, been yeah. a year since Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, um, no, I really liked that she was older and she looked a bit different and, you know, they still recognised each other, just, you know, like that. Also, the fact that New York is, is real. Like, so New York, whenever it does the overshot in New York five years later, like, you know, it's... To crap it like everything's like deteriorated, mm-hmm. it's buildings falling apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes to the screenshot of Tokyo and it's still lit up like Fort Knox. It's oh, like, well, that's just electricity. That's <laughs> there's the streets are pretty empty though. Yeah, no, they are, they are like 100%. You know, like, I would you know, say kind of, it's, I mean, with half the world's population still alive, which is like 3.5 billion people, you'd mm. think that New York wouldn't have got so dilapidated. Yeah, but if you think about it in these movies, New York, first of all, it was destroyed in Avengers 1. You know, you they've already said that nine eleven happened in this universe. Then this happens. It, it almost felt to me like a, you know, a city can only take so much. You know, you you have to think. You know, I'm getting out of the city. You know, because it yeah, it just seems to be targeted all the time. And I think the reason they so focus on New York as well so much is because in the Marvel comic universe, all the heroes That's live in New York. They all, they're all you know, so if there's no heroes there to protect and inspire and all the rest, you know, in a way, why would you hang around? Now, it's sort of decrepit at that point, but then there's a, a chat later on between, I think it might be Black Widow and Captain America. I'll need to double check that. But they talk about how they saw wheels in, yeah, the, you know, in, in the Hudson, which a lot of people are speculating that this means Namor's coming into it. I have it cause, no idea who that is. So Namor is essentially the Marvel equivalent of Aquaman. Um, oh, good guy or bad guy? He's one of those Marvel characters that flits both ways. Right. Um, so kind of like Loki. I mean, Loki has good moments. A little bit, but Loki... Yeah, he, he would be more of a good guy than Loki would be, oh, right. but he still does have that, you know, sense of, say, Orn and Aquaman of, you know, the surface world have always treated us like crap, polluted oh, our right. oceans, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So there's a lot of rumours they think Namor's going to come into. But, no, the dilapidated, dilapidated New York stuff, I didn't mind, because in these movies, New York has been through a lot. So it has... <laughs> a hell of a lot yeah well if you go back to 2012 whenever they you know was the first one in the, well in the timeline anyway and then they like you fast forwarded so like yeah seven years you know even the likes of you know tony has moved out of new york he's now living in the sticks with his family yeah. you know this is a guy who you know was the beacon of the city you know you look at um i think it is avengers where he's you know creating the sustainable energy that leads to stark yeah. tar and stuff i mean this is a guy who you know lives and breathes new york and wants to be the pillar of new york and even he's went, look, we've been defeated, guys. This yeah. is, I, I can't stay around. So I know what you're saying with it. Um, you know, half the population, as you say, still does leave a healthy population in the world. But I didn't mind that at all. Um, and it was just some cool imagery as well. Like I said, it's me nitpicking just, but it's like, you know, it was more just the second time I watched it. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, the other thing about it is as well, what I would say is that they deliberately shot it or appeared to shoot it like really early in the morning so it's still quite dark yeah it's really like so there's also the fact that you know maybe people are just in bed you know <laughs> new york had went from the city that never sleeps to the city that very much sleeps you yeah. know so no that um i know what you're saying with it. it didn't it's not something that bothered me but it was just some pretty cool imagery as well but um so yeah so ant-man gets to um to the avengers compound where cap and uh, black widow are and then he starts talking about you know maybe being able to use time travel essentially and 
they they do um, have a conversation saying like you know is there anybody smart enough to help us with this and Cap's like I know one guy so they go to see Tony um, Tony's very very hesitant to help because although he's lost a lot he has gained his family he's found his peace in a sense you know he's got a little daughter you know I love you 3000s become a complete meme and you know a yeah. hashtag and all sorts yep. <laughs> and Cap asks him for help and he just says no he, he outright just says no I'm not interested um, you can stay for dinner if you don't talk shop but no that's a great line and I don't know what is it he says the table's set for six if you don't talk shop yeah. so they leave there and they think about who's the next smartest man they know so they go and find Hulk and Hulk at this point is this is the first time he's introduced he's sitting in a cafe and he's eating loads of food and he's dressed in normal clothes but he's very much Professor Hulk um, this led to a moment that I think is going to polarise a lot of people which is Hulk dabbing <laughs> don't need to say that but I do know certain people who I could hear them laughing in the cinema when we saw it uh, Kieran you know who you are but you know they're, they're, this led to a lot of sort of funny imagery with the Hulk you know after this they go to find Thor um, they go to New Asgard which a lot of people have speculated where this is in the world. There was language that seemed to be Scandinavian below the sign, welcome to new Asgard, and then it's sort of said it in Scandinavian language, but people have surmised that that might be um, Asgardian language. There's a few um, theories that it's in Scotland, because apparently there's a bottle of iron brew in the background of one of the shots, <laughs> which I tried to look out for the second time, just completely forgot about. Um, yeah, they go to find Thor, and Thor at this time is now Fat Thor. Um, the way they introduced him was brilliant because I can just imagine a lot of a lot of Thor's fans, shall we say, would be happy he grew his hair back. So they introduced him with like a close-up shot on his head, and he's grown his hair back, and there was like, a, oh yes, he's grown his hair back, brilliant. He looks more like Thor, and then he turns around, and then whoa, what happened there? Now I instantly thought the first time we saw this, this was going to polarize a lot of people. Um, they're going to love it. They're going to hate it. I loved it because I thought it was an interesting way of looking at PTSD. Um, yeah. He had not got over what had happened. You know, Thor feels guiltier than any of them because he had the opportunity to prevent it. You know, if he had just chopped um, Thanos' arm off or he had aimed for the head, as Thanos said, you know, the world would still be ticking along normally. So, you know, Thor was always a character that drunk a lot when he was in Asgard, you know, but he kept himself in shape through battle and this and that. So, I kind of like that he just let himself go. It was just like, no, I'm just going to drink. I'm, you know, we've killed Thanos. You know, we'll move on. That's it. Um, and this led to Cork being reintroduced, That's which I was the best. Scene. Yeah, I was very happy about. Um, you know, come on in, use the Wi-Fi. It's not a problem. You know, oh, Thor, he's back again, back in on the TV. He's this, back again. This little shit is back on the TV. You know, he's killing me. And Thor takes the headset off him and starts, you know, ranting down it. Um, so yeah at this point then you've got um, Tony starting to feel a little bit guilty he's got that little itch that he wants to scratch of can I figure out this time travel stuff which he does which to me is the only reason he helps them because he loves being the smartest guy in the room um, but he does come up with a really good line to cap in fairness where he says I have no problem getting back what we've lost but I still need to keep the things I found um, so obviously it's not like he wants a new reality or anything where Pepper and his daughter no, Morgan is it possibly yeah, Morgan, yeah. Um, he doesn't want the universe where they don't exist anymore so um, and then from there so that, that's that's essentially an, an encapsulation of the first hour of the movie the thing I noticed seeing this a second time is this is a movie of three parts not necessarily three acts but three parts 
the first R is all set up. It's all dealing with the, the fallout of Infinity War, formulating the plan, boom. The second part of this movie, and I only thought about this when I saw it the second time, really, really reminded me of Inception. So in Inception, there's three levels of dreams they go through that they need to you know, do a, basically a heist yeah. to achieve their goal. In this, the teams are split up into three. You know, one goes to New York, one goes to Valheim, and one goes to uh, Asgard. And again, it's a, it's, it turns into a heist movie. It's, um, you know, what plans can we set up to get what we need? They want to get the stones back together so that they can then do their own click and bring everybody back. So that was the second part of the movie. And then the third part of the movie is just walls the, uh, balls to the wall action. Yeah. Um, because the first two hours, there's not an awful lot of action in this no, movie. it's just mainly, like you said, setting up and just talking yeah. about it and then they get there and then it's like right I'm going about getting the stones back but obviously it doesn't go super straight yeah. forward in parts of it I mean the first act you could argue there's one action scene and that's where they go and kill Thanos yeah. the rest of it is all character work yeah but it's good though I enjoy oh it's that. brilliant I mean I, I would watch nine hours of these characters just sitting around talking yeah. you know that they've established at this point that these are characters we like and I would happily as I say sit around and just watch them all day but the second part of the movie, so it jumps into the time travel elements and they use the pin particles to go through the quantum realm and then they can jump off at specific points in time. So what they do is um, Tony, Cap, Hulk and Ant-Man go to New York, um, which is to get the Tesseract and also the Loki Pokey Stick, as I will forever call it, uh, <laughs> copyright Kevin Smith. Uh, <laughs> You've got Thor who goes back to Asgard. Now, this this movie actually achieved the impossible. This is how good this movie is. It made Thor the Dark World relevant. Yeah. You know, yeah. the movie that is easily, I would say for 90% of people, the worst Marvel movie. Um, I still like the... What a shock. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they made it, they made it important because um, obviously it had the ether, um, which... Um, they had to get out of Natalie Portman's character. You can tell Natalie Portman was not involved in this movie. No. There's a lot of shots from far away or from the neck down. From the back of her. There's one bit of footage where she wakes up and I'm just convinced that's taken from the dark world. Oh, yeah. But they still credit her. Like, she's in the credits at the end. Um, I don't know. I didn't even know. Yeah, they obviously had to get permission to use her likeness and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Um, Thor's one was the most um, interesting, I thought, because he interacted with his mother and, you know, he had a real sense of closure with his mum. He never got to say goodbye. She obviously dies in Thor: The Dark World, but I really liked that um, you know Rene Russo's character. His mum was great because he was like, "Look, I have to tell you something," which he's obviously going to say, "You're going to die today," but she's like, "This isn't about fixing my world; it's about fixing yours," you know. And that's a real motherly, you know, maternal sort of thing. Like, I got to look after my kids before me. Yeah. Which I thought was a great little little moment. Um, the most fun of all the. Um, the most fun of all the parts I thought was uh, the New York stuff. Mm. You know, whether it's Hulk pretending to smash stuff to fit in, you know, <laughs> walking around punching cars and stuff. You had, for me, the second best part of the movie, which was Cap in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Captain America's always been a character who sorts his problems out with his fists and asks questions later. But this was a moment where he used his smarts and his knowledge of the future knowing these guys are Hydra. When he lent, when he went to lean into the ear, um, I thought he was going to say, you know, if anybody wants to get out, yeah, you know, I thought they were going to you can do it, you can do it now. Yeah. But instead he kneels in and goes, he'll Hydra. And, you know, <laughs> just walks out with a wee smirk, which I thought was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that was great. 
then you had Hulk go to um, to talk to the Ancient One uh, from Doctor Strange. I thought this was a nice touch as well. I thought it was cool to show how other heroes were um, were integrated into the Battle of New York. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's very clever. You know, the Ancient One, in fairness, doesn't really leave, you know... Sanctum sanctorum. No, it doesn't leave it at all. Just stays on the roof and is repelling attacks and is yeah. trying to help people to safety in the the close by area. Um, she ends up having a chat with Hulk, and uh, so she she explains the time travel of this movie and how it works. Now, the second time I saw it, it made a bit more sense. The first time I was a little bit suspicious of it, especially because stuff happens later on, like you know, Nebula shoots her younger self. So she should die. Yeah, I, that kind of baffled me a little bit. But, you know, Hulk sort of, you know, explains it as, you know, if you go back to the past, that now becomes your future, and the future becomes your past, because you've already lived it. So it's it's you, it's following you in a straight line, rather than you've went back five years. It, it reminded me of the idea of Arrival. You seen Arrival? Oh yeah, it's great too. You know, so Arrival, in Arrival, time is not linear, you know, and that that's kind of what it reminded me of, a little bit of a tweak on that. Um, so yeah then you had uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye going for the Soul Stone this didn't affect me that much I have to say compared I to mean, some people if I'm, if I'm being really honest like none of the deaths I was like um, okay like you know really didn't hit me I was like okay it's sad but I was like I'm not you know overly traumatised mm-hmm. about it I was like alright okay well you know like you said actually about a, like a, I think whenever he came out of the midnight show, you'd said in particular, you're like, you know, there had to be consequences in this one, so oh. you knew one yeah. of the main guys or two of them or a couple of them were gonna bite the bullet. So I was kind of yeah. When your part, I was just like, ah, oh, okay. The reason it didn't affect me with Black Widow is because they almost turned it into a little bit of a a one-upsmanship game. It was like, no, I'm gonna die. No, I'm gonna die. No, I'm gonna die. They kept sort of having this little fight as they got closer to the edge of the cliff. Because um, obviously, you know, should explain with the soul stone, you know, you have to give up something that you love. So one of them had to die, so the other one would wake up with the soul stone. But it was beautifully shot and done in Gamora. When when Thanos kills Gamora, I felt more sympathy for Thanos than I did for either of these two characters. It's, like Thanos is in tears. He's yeah. like, I have to do this. You know, I need only I can. You know, correct the universe. His plans, of course, are outrageous and you know, you know, genocidal. But <clears throat> in that moment you can really feel like I can't believe I have to do this but I have to do this and this moment just felt to me like well, yep right okay she's dead yeah, it's because it's, it's an exact rehash from Infinity War yeah. like the exact same backing track is used yeah. and it's like you know it's like come on you couldn't have thought of just maybe a wee tweak yeah. to the, you know it's like you're watching the exact same thing except just with a different characters all yeah, but overall you did this once same, yeah. yeah you know it's like you did it once sweet like I get you have to do it again for it to make sense but it's like you could have I don't know done something different to it like it's the exact same backing track yeah. and I just sat there and listened to it like yeah I've seen it before you know, yeah I mean I would have preferred it was Hawkeye to be fair but <laughs> to a degree I would have preferred if it was Hawkeye because it would have felt like more of a sacrifice yeah. because he was doing he it to less. bring his family yeah. back I do like that he gets a happy ending though at the same time so you know apples and oranges I suppose but one thing I did notice I only thought about this last night you know, this, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves in terms of the movie because, again, spoiler filled. But obviously, Tony sacrifices himself and Tony dies. So Tony Stark gets this grand funeral at the end. 
Jeez, I saw this in the group chat. Last what, where, where was Black Widow's funeral? <laughs> All it takes for Black Widow to be remembered is Clint and um, what do you call her? I Clint and Wanda just I have a quick chat, and they're like, "Oh, I wish I wish she could have seen this." It's like, like, don't worry, they they both they both know, and then that's yeah. the only cursory mention of Vision as well. Yes, but <laughs> I mean, like would worse, it have yeah. been so hard to like make it a joint funeral? I did read a, an, an interview. It was I think it was with one of the Russos, and they said the reason Black Widow doesn't get a funeral is because she's a cipher, so she's hidden from public view. But at the end of Winter Soldier, she's a Capitol Hill saying, "You need us. We're the Avengers. We're your best chance." Yeah. So she's known to the public. Yeah. And she's obviously sacrificed herself in this part to bring all the people back. So surely she deserves some recognition for that. Hundred percent. Um, just a small. I only thought about it last night. I never thought about it when I was watching the movie either time. But it just came to me last night thinking. No, as soon as you said that, I was just like, "That is a very valid point." She's got the short shrift. To yeah. Say where the least. is her? You know, everyone's now remembering. To yeah. Me. It's like, what about? <laughs> yeah, that's and it. Natasha um, starts to sound off. It is interesting, you know, with my, <clears throat> you know, my feelings towards Tony Stark and all the rest. It is interesting that his is the only heist that fails because Hulk comes down. The, it's done for comedy where Hulk comes down the stairs from the original Avengers movie and smashes into Tony. The Tesseract lands at Loki's feet and then Loki disappears. But it's interesting that Tony's is the only one that fails. Um, but then him and Cap come up with a new plan. They go back to the 70s. They go back to the sort of the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. where Hank Pym is working on the Pym Particles. I thought this was great. Um, I loved that this, this was a part in the movie I loved with Tony Stark and Iron Man. This whole conversation with his dad was excellent. Yeah. I thought Tony's always been a character that's had daddy issues. I'm wondering if his dad's proud of him. And you know could I even hold my own in a conversation with my old man and there, there's real it's just lovely sort of feeling a lovely bit of closure for Tony but this was where in the movie I was starting to think Tony's going to die they're solving all of his issues bit by bit Tony's going to die then at the same time you see in this time frame um, Cap speak to or not speak to he hides in an office and he sees Peggy um, through the window now again this was a great scene and Watching this the second time, I think this is the moment he decides, fuck it, I'm doing something for, for myself when this is all over. Yeah. This is the moment. You know, you've seen him look at the you know watch a couple of times yeah. and has Peggy's picture in it, or sorry, the compass. Um, but this was the moment, seeing it a second time, where I thought Cap's thinking, when this is over, I'm going back. And they didn't do it the way I thought they would. Um, what way do you think they would have done it? They, they seem to make a real big deal of the fact that he lifted four pin particle tubes. Yeah. Like they really zoomed in on it, and they were they were set up as like four gap, four gap, four. So I thought right, four, two to get him and Tony home. At the end of the movie, when this is all over, he was going to turn to everybody and say, "I was never supposed to be in modern times. I need to go back to my time." So he would use one to go back, but then he would give them another one and say, "But if you ever need me, come and get me." So I thought that's how they would do it with Cap, but obviously it was done a different way. So. They eventually get the uh, the Tesseract, which is the last one they need. They all come back at the same time because of how time works. They're all smiling, they're all happy, but then they see Black Widow has died. They get over it pretty quickly, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, apart from maybe Clint, because um, he was there. So it goes from there, and while all this has been happening, um, I should say actually there was Gamora on War Machine who went to get the uh, the Infinity Stone that at the start of Guardians, Star Lord stole this was actually a really funny scene as well because they had they show star lord dancing and you know all the rest but then they show their point of view of watching him dance yeah, and singing. <laughs> he's got his headphones on and singing really badly and war machine just like 
okay so he's an idiot and they just knock him out and you know take what they need to take but at this point the this is where this this is where the plot sort of gets a wee bit complicated because 2014 nebula seems to have her mind sort of joined with 2019 nebula and they can sort of share each other's um viewpoints so thanos gomorrah who's still technically bad gomorrah 2014 gomorrah who's by thanos aside um they're searching for the infinity stones and they see this recording of these people trying to um get the infinity stones so what they end up doing is they get the gomorrahs to switch places and then the evil gomorrah is the one that goes back to 2019 nebula nebula you're right i take it back um <laughs> So the evil Nebula goes back and she then is able to bring Thanos' ship through the Quantum Realm and then they attack uh, Avengers um, headquarters. So, and then this is where the action yeah. really, how really kicks he, up. I want to know, how did he know, like how did Thanos already know in the past, even though like when he's looking at the future for Nebula, how did he already know who the Avengers were? Because he was the one that ordered the attack in 2012 and uh, they were... He basically yeah, hired right. Loki to yeah. go and... Because you were introduced to Thanos quickly in the original Avengers movie. Um, <clears throat> that completely slipped my mind. I completely forgot about that. So he knew who the Avengers were, um, so to speak. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why he starts to go and get the Infinity Stones yeah. and do it himself. Yeah, because at, at the end of the first Avengers film, um, whenever the, he comes up a step and he's like, we failed. And yeah. So you see him kind of sitting around his front. That's right. Yeah, yeah so... <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, so they bring, as I say, Thanos' ship through, and then he attacks and completely decimates Avengers headquarters. Um, everyone sort of crawls out of the wreckage, and then this leads to a, a face-off between Thanos, Cap, Thor, who has now... It's still Fat Thor, but he's, you know, got a braided beard, so that clearly means he's back. Um, and uh, Tony, so it, it starts off as a fight between them, and... Beautifully shot. What is that? Like that really, really well shot. Before they started, like it's him sitting and then freestanding, and that's just see, like that wide angle. I went nice. back and watched the trailers after I'd seen the movie just uh -huh. to see what had been spoiled. Yeah. That shot was in the trailer. Was actually. Oh wow. So there's this shot from behind the three of them as they're uh -huh. walking down the steps, and then between two of them, you just see Thanos sitting there. Uh -huh. And again, that's something I would have been looking out for the whole movie if I'd have seen that trailer. Oh, of course, yeah. So I was glad I didn't see the trailer. Um, so yeah this fight sequence starts with these guys um and it leads to the best moment of the movie for me anyway which is at one point the um thanos is on top of thor and he's trying to push stormbreaker towards thor's chest and kill him and suddenly thanos just gets smacked with thor's original hammer and uh it just comes back and it's cap who catches it <laughs> which is just a fucking great yeah, moment excuse my language <laughs> it's pretty fantastic well it, it sort of um, it, it closes the circle on that because back in Avengers Age of Ultron there's a scene where they're all sitting in Tony's apartment and they all try to lift the hammer and Cap, can, back, like and Cap makes a move a bit squeaks it, yeah. and it cuts to Thor who smiles and he is a face of worry and a lot of people just think that Steve could lift it but he was too humble to do it he was like this is Thor's thing he's like oh, guys couldn't do it you know that kind of thing so it gives a new sort of um, it gives a new sort of outlook on that we scene, which was nice. But despite you know him wielding the hammer and <clears throat> the three of these guys fighting Thanos, it seems hopeless. And Thanos brings his whole army through, <clears throat> and you know brings back the Black Order. <clears throat> Pardon me. And you're thinking, yep, they're they're screwed. But then 
dead. But then all you hear is Sam going, cap, cap, you know, through the radio. And then he just goes, you know, on your left. Which is just a brilliant, brilliant call back to the Winter Soldier. Yep. Where, you know, Cap keeps running past uh, Sam saying, on your left. And then that just brings everybody back. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not too, you know, manly to say I choked up massively at this. I tend to choke up more in these sorts of movies, not by sad things, but by just balls out heroic stuff. So when they all start coming back bit by bit by bit, it was incredible. My adrenaline just went sky high. Yeah. Especially like because the first one you see is Black Panther, and you just see the silhouette, and you're like, yes, and then you see him, and you're like, yes. Yeah, and then they all start coming back bit by bit. You know, the, the guard heroic music kicks in. You're just like, go on. Well, the heroic music kicks in, and then it just goes silent. And that was great because then you get Cap saying probably for the first time ever, Avengers, and then assemble. Yeah, he he goes to say it at the end of Age of Ultron, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it cuts, cuts off. off. And he says, I think he goes to say it one other time as yeah. well, and it cuts off. Always cuts off. Yeah. So they saved it and went for this. But a wee detail I noticed the second time watching it was there was a nice wee call back to Infinity War where, um, as they're all running at each other, it's Cap and Black Panther who just speed away from everybody else, which is great. Um, so yeah it leads to this huge huge battle loads of individual great little moments I only noticed the second time the Korg is in the battle which really made me happy yeah there's a there's a part where um, Drax jumps on the back of a bad guy and starts like knifing him in the back and as he does that Korg is in front of the guy and he just massively uppercuts him (laughs) and I only noticed it the second time I didn't notice it the first Um, so the Avengers seem to be getting the upper hand and then Thanos' ship is still floating in, in the sky and Thanos at this point who is it's got him I think it might be Scarlet Witch has yeah. is holding him up in the air and like all his armor's breaking and he just says you know rain fire down on us now and you know they just start firing missiles down at the whole battleground it doesn't matter whether it's Thanos' guys or the Avengers just keep hitting them and then this was a moment the first time I'll be honest I sort of oh god because I don't like Captain Marvel but I thought the second time it worked really well she goes through the ship yeah destroys it and then this is where they made really good storytelling decisions because Captain Marvel starts fighting Thanos now if Captain Marvel had you know they've obviously established how powerful she is if they had established that she was able to defeat Thanos it would have made the previous 11 years null and void because it would have just been a case of why did Nick Fury call her in when Thanos invaded but there is a point where she's getting the upper hand in the battle and then Thanos actually notices how powerful she is so he takes the power stone off the gauntlet puts it in his other hand and then absolutely destroys her sends her back so I was glad that they showed her strong enough to stand up to him but not strong enough to defeat him on her own because it would have devalued everything yeah. that came before I'm not going to lie the very first like the midnight show when we watched it I, I actually completely forgot Captain Marvel was even yeah. and so whenever they started firing at something else I don't don't ask me what I thought I was expecting, but I was just like, is this someone entirely new? Yeah. And I saw Captain Marvel. I was like, oh yeah, she's still here. And well, she- it, it made sense. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, Captain Marvel is probably going to be one of the leaders going forward from oh, these yeah. movies. But again, this this was the close to the Infinity Saga. This was the close to the original Avengers. So they needed to be the ones to defeat Thanos. Yeah. So they did. Um. So, yep, they keep fighting, and then it gets to the point where, um. Tony is looking across the battlefield and Doctor Strange looks at him and just like puts up one finger and again I noticed this more the second time but as he did that I thought yep Tony knows he's going to die you can see it in his eyes he's just like fuck 
I know what I need to do now. Because he, he says earlier in the battle, oh, Doctor, is this the one time you were talking about? And he said, if I told you what was to happen, it wouldn't happen. So, but this is the moment, you know, this silent moment between the two of them where Tony knows, yeah, I'm going to die. So he uh, attacks Thanos. Thanos just brushes him off thinking this is easy. Um, and then brushes him off and then clicks his fingers, but nothing happens. And then he turns the gauntlet over and all the Infinity Stones have been removed and they're now on Iron Man. And at this point, he Thanos had said, I am inevitable. But this was a great closing of the circle moment again because it was... Tony saying, I am Iron Man, which of course is how the first yeah. Iron Man movie ended, yeah. which started this whole thing off. So I appreciated this far more the second time because I could understand Tony's sacrifice and it affected me more the second time. The first time, you know, my thoughts on Tony are well documented. I was just so worried Cap was going to die that the first time I just didn't really. I was like, right, okay, so Tony's died instead. Yeah, That's Cap okay. Gets yeah. Well, there's one point in the fight where Cap has the shield and Thanos is just slicing through it, yeah. and it completely destroys it. And I thought, don't do it, please don't do it. Um, but you know, obviously, it turns out to be Tony. And then again, Tony's having another really great moment with a character. Spider-Man is like, you know, don't, sir, don't go, don't go, and all this kind of stuff. And Pepper comes over and moves him <laughs> out of the way. I know that's your other half, but stop destroying all the bromance moments. Um, and then that leads obviously yeah so Tony snaps his fingers and you know all of Thanos' forces start fading out of existence and then Thanos is the last one really slowly and beautifully done and at this point I think when Pepper does come over she says you know to Tony's AI you know status and she's like not critical you know yeah, it's, 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 there's there's no way out of this um, so Friday isn't it yeah. um so you know he's actually going to die and then you start hearing a voiceover and I was like oh no please don't have brought him back because it would again devalue all the sacrifice yeah. but it turns out it's just a recorded message for his daughter and they show the funeral and then despite all the action in this movie all the special effects this was probably the most expensive scene of the whole movie just one big long tracking shot over every single team at his funeral you know you got the Guardians you got the Avengers you got you know the guys from Captain Marvel you got the guy you know it's got from people from Wakanda from Black Panther and it goes along with one great shot and then there's one character in the background that some people got it straight away who it was some people you have no clue tell me who it was. Um, I'll be honest I didn't know at the time who it was someone told me as well um, but it's the kid from Iron Man 3 yep. um, again grown up because it's been a few years since that um, I thought they could have emphasised that a wee bit more because I think for yeah, the casual viewer it was sort of like yeah who, who the hell is this loner by himself just standing there before I knew who it was before I was told I had a theory that it was Loki in disguise um, so that he could you know because Loki for all his you know badness and mischief and all the rest he is still deep 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 down a good guy <clears throat> so um, I thought he would have recognised Tony's sacrifice and been there um so that all leads to that and then you get to the final couple of scenes of the movie which is they have to drop the infinity stones back to the exact moment in time where they got them so it was like they never left so that timeline won't change so cap goes to do that and hulk's like right for him it'll be as long as it takes but for us he'll be back in five seconds and then five seconds passes nothing happens you know sam's getting worried you know what happens and uh Sam and Bucky then look over and they see a guy sitting on a bench with a shield beside him you just see him from the back I'm going to get choked up talking about this 
<laughs> so they go. So it's interesting at this point because Bucky knows who it is. Yeah. But he actually nudges Sam and says, "You go over." Yeah. You know, this is this is Bucky's childhood friend. Um, but I think at this point, he sends Sam over because he's like, "Look, I'm not ready to be the new cap, but you are." But he goes over and it's an older Steve Rogers and brilliant makeup effects, I have to say. Because at first, I didn't think it was yeah, Chris I Evans. I didn't think it was him either. It was only when he started talking that I realised it was and it turns out Cap decided to stay back in the past and live his life he, he says this really nice line of I thought I'd get some of that nice stuff that Tony was talking about yeah. you know because obviously he had the five years with his family and his kid and stuff so it was sort of like that and I like this because Cap has always been the epitome of virtue and morals and always does the right thing and this seemed like the one moment where he decides you know what I'm human I'm doing something for me because it was selfish for him to do it and he could have messed up timelines and you know whatever but I thought this was wonderful and then it cuts to a lovely scene of Cap and Peggy finally getting that dance I'm going to well up um, yeah so perfect way to finish the movie and then don't sit for the end credits there is <laughs> no end credit scene people well so there's, there's an end credit noise there, but yeah there, but, I, I have a funny story actually where um, I know of like uh someone who is, um, emailed in and said you know we were told there was an end credit scene uh, you know we went home and googled it and heard there was a noise which signifies the you know the future of the MCU you know, yeah. how could you make us miss this and I'm not gonna lie I near pissed myself laughing because I was like get a hold of yourself yeah you there, know what it's from there were a few people <laughs> trying to throw theories out there like maybe it was you know, Iron Man's kid working on a suit, or maybe it was um, Peter Dinklage's character, you know, forging a new weapon like an Infinity War. Yeah. Guys, it's none of that. It is literally the sound, it's the exact same sound of Tony Stark constructing the Iron Man armor all the way back in 2008. Yeah. That's it. I'd love to read more into it. I'd love to think it's the coming of Galactus or something. But it's not. It's not. It's not. So you don't miss anything. If no. you want to see that scene, put on Iron Man. Close your eyes, <laughs> listen to the noise. That's it. Um, no, and it brought, it, as I said, then brought an end to just this magnificent achievement. You know, there were one or two problems I had with the movie. I had less problems the second time, but overall, this was a massive, just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, immensely satisfying, loads of character moments, loads of comic book nods. Um, just brilliant. Um, probably will see it a third time um, I haven't seen a movie three times in the cinema since The Dark Knight Rises so five's my record nine's my record Jesus and that was in four different countries <laughs> that was The Dark Knight um, well no, no that kind of makes sense so it's like different locations <laughs> yeah well I was I was travelling and you know like I was in Australia and it was yeah. on the biggest IMAX screen in the world and I saw it in London as part of a triple bill for you know nice. all three of them stuff nice. like that but I will see this a third time. You know, it, it is three hours, and one or two things I've heard is, you know, the first two hours, you know, as I say, I broke it down into what the three hours were, but the first two hours are a little slow. But without that slowness and that build-up, that exact moment of on your left would not have been as impactful. No. If it was balls-to-the-wall action the whole way through it, and then that happened, it would be like, oh, right, more guys coming. It needed to be a quieter, more reflective movie for that moment to be just... So to, for it to soar above all others um, so yeah I couldn't have asked for any more from it um, you know got the death of Tony Stark got Cap getting his happy ending you know 
No, I say, I, I, I'm making a joke with that. No, I mean, that. again, I'm not the biggest Iron Man guy, but I did love the way they, they did kill him off, you know. They did kill him off with the ultimate act of heroism. Yeah. So, um... Easily a 5 out of 10. I'm putting it on the same uh, scale as Slenderman there, are you? 100%, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Kidding. Obviously, it's like a 20 out of 10. Yeah. So, so we're well, next, though. Where well, well that's impossible. Um, <laughs> we'll just stick to a solid. We'll stick to a solid 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, 10 out of 10. Um, five stars, two thumbs up, whatever you want to say. This yeah. movie was everything you wanted it to be. From here, I have no idea. Um, my theory is that they will announce some stuff at Comic Con in July. Um, we still have Spider Man Far From Home, which apparently is the official end to phase three. Yep. Whereas this was the official end to the, what is being called the Infinity Saga. Um, I genuinely have no idea where they're going to go from here. You know, you're going to get sequels to establish stuff. You're going to get Guardians 3, James Gunn's back on board. Yeah. You're going to get Black Panther 2. You're going to get Captain Marvel 2. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get another Ant-Man movie. Because um, I loved Ant-Man the Wasp. Um, in terms of new characters being introduced, obviously they've got the rights to Fantastic Four, to the X-Men. Uh, the... Eternals, Eternals is another one they're apparently moving forward on. Angelina Jolie's being linked with it. Yeah. I don't know an awful lot about the Eternals, so that would be new yeah, stuff for me as well, to be honest. Um, you could have a Captain America movie, but with Sam. But um, good mate Keith, what he said was, you know, this could open up great possibilities because you could have a Captain America movie in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and it'd be Steve Rogers. You could have Steve Rogers in it. He's been he- he's been the head of Shield before. He's been in Nick Fury's position as an older character in the comics. There's possibilities everywhere. Yeah, like with anything that comes <clears throat> from now, the majority of stuff anyway would be all like I mean, you could easily make it pre Infinity War, yeah. or pre, but the majority of it you could easily make post like Endgame, and they would still make sense. Like you would still sit back and go, okay, so now it's a new story. Yeah. Here's a new threat, you know, so on. Because with the likes of whenever like Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman did World War One, and then the sequel is like Cheetah or whatever you call uh, it. Ah, it's nineteen eighty four. Like Kristen Wiig. <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's like tangent, but Wonder Woman eighty four. I have full faith in it. Patty Jenkins is back. Gal Gadot's back. Yeah. Um, but Chris easy. Pine's back in yeah. a different way. Apparently, it might be a different role. Um, yeah. Kristen Wiig is not an actress I either like or dislike. But I've learned to stop judging casting decisions after Heath Ledger's The Joker. After you know, you, you need to wait and see something from it. I think you know. Yeah, like um, a trailer. Hopefully that will maybe get a trailer. At yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> again, I. It's due for release in November this year. Yeah, no, it got moved to next year. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was November. No, they moved. It, they had it in November this year. They moved it to twenty twenty, and they're oh, they're right. released in the same release window as they released the first one. But oh, that's a long. Oh, that's a long I um. No, I look forward to Wonder Woman 84. I mean, the DC stuff, you know, again, I don't think we should ever compare it to Marvel because, I'll be honest, I enjoyed Aquaman as much as I enjoyed Endgame. But yeah. Endgame is a better movie. But in pure enjoyment stakes, Aquaman's a blast. You know, I've I picked it up in 4K there a couple of weeks ago. I've watched it twice. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, I've watched it twice since then. It just holds up as a, you know, a very entertaining piece of cinema. Yeah. And... Endgame is a better movie, but I enjoyed them both just as much. If that makes sense. And your next pick for big bad of the MCU? Uh, yeah, if you had to take a guess, I really don't know. I mean, that the Secret Invasion was mooted for a long time, which is to do with the Skrulls, but then they sort of changed the Skrulls a little bit and kept Marvel. Um, 
there's rumors of Secret Wars. Yeah, what what is Secret Wars? Secret Wars is um <laughs> Secret Wars is something you'll be able to listen to in a future podcast because it's going to be our next book club pick. Um, nice. but Secret Wars was um it didn't have the most pure of heart motivations for coming together. Secret Wars was initially concocted to sell toys. <clears throat> so the whole idea of Secret Wars is all of the um all the good guys and all the bad guys are transferred to this gladiatorial planet where it's essentially a fight to the death. That's what Secret Wars comes down to. Um, but as I say, we'll be uh, going into more detail in a future podcast. But that's a way of putting all the characters together again. It would be a hell of an expensive movie. Um, you know, I'm a big Silver Surfer fan, so I'd love to see Galactus brought into the. The thing is with Galactus, sort of like the pro- The thing with Galactus is once you go as big as Galactus, you can't go any bigger. Yeah, but obviously Galactus being as big as he is, like all he would have to do is literally just do that, and everyone would be dead. If you think about it, cause... and you can think that of any of these movies, let's be honest. Because he is, he is literally like, is a well, he's a planet, planet eater. Yeah. yeah, he eats planets. Basically, that's what gives him sustenance and keeps him going. And he's also like about fifty billion feet tall. Yeah, like he's just the size of the universe practically. But everyone has a weakness. <laughs> everyone has a weakness. So yeah, so we'll we'll wait and see. I think that I think it would be a mistake to go big after this. I think that. One of the reasons I loved Ant Man the Wasp after Infinity War is because it was a smaller, more personal movie. Yeah. And you needed that after the stakes of Infinity War. <clears throat> you know, this is so big and so epic. I don't think you can go down that route for the next couple. Well, like no. anyone who's threatening the world, you know, it's gonna just pale in comparison to this yeah. guy who destroyed half the universe, you know what I mean? So That's why Spider Man, you know, it'd be nice because it's like, okay, end game, and then Spider Man is just him and mysterious. Yeah, I mean so far like, from okay. home I've no expectations of. I'm not a huge fan of homecoming. Um, I, Jake I really like Tobey Maguire or not Tobey Maguire well I watched Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man two weeks ago still holds up um, <laughs> I really like Tom Holland in the role but I think he's worked better as a supporting character so far in Civil War and in Infinity War and in Endgame but my, my mind's open for um, Far From Home because I've been reading a lot of Spider-Man comics recently so I've been getting really into the character um, so we'll wait and see but for now it's the only Marvel one on the horizon so yeah apart from the repeated viewings of Endgame yeah. and no doubt going back to the start again and watching it all again as well and the Blu-ray uh, collection I think they just announced yeah the, I, I don't know if that's an official thing or not um, it, well, it will be at some will point, be at some point yeah. but I don't know if it's an official announcement just yet but yeah I've been collecting them in 4k so we'll uh, we'll wait and see whether I indulge in the big box set yeah fork out that amount of money <laughs> yeah but I probably will yeah we'll see <laughs> We'll see. Um, so yeah, closing thoughts. Loved it. Amazing movie. Everything I wanted to be. Really glad I avoided spoilers. Hopefully, I don't have to work so hard to enjoy a movie ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everything that you just said. And yeah, third viewing, and then that, that would do it for me. Yeah. So yeah, five out of ten. Best movie of the year. <laughs> all right, that's all from us. I've bored you enough for an hour on this probably could have talked about it for three hours but i have to open the store now so (laughs) anyway um i'm sure it'll be uh not too long before we get another one on the go i hope you guys enjoyed this and see you again bye